to another episode of Air It Out, a show where we tackle tough topics in a masculine-centered and student-led space. We air out all of our thoughts, opinions, and ideas on topics related to masculinity. I'm your host, Courtney Copeland, and while my partner, Excellence Jerry Reeves, is not with us today, I'm going to try my best to hold it down for us this episode. But now, let me introduce the real stars of the show. We have Dominic Johnson, Dante Haynes, and Rich Miller. We also want to issue a trigger warning. So we just never know who is watching each of our episodes. And so we just feel like it's important to give a heads up to our audience to let them know that today's topics will cover issues of anger management, sexual assault, harassment, and violence, as well as possibly intimate partner violence. We feel like it's important to let audiences know so that they can use their own self-agency and discretion on how they engage with us. And so you guys being involved in sport, there are lots of different differences between assertiveness, which is something that is a character trait that we all want to have and harness and use and control. And then there's also aggressiveness, which is something that we all have, want to harness, use and control. I want to know what, in you, in you guys' words, or you guys' mind, what's the dif difference between assertiveness and aggression? I wouldn't say they're, they're like, complete opposites. But, like, in my mind, assertiveness is, like, kind of, it's, like, calm confidence. But, like, I can't really explain it. It's, like, you're not conceited, but you are confident in something. And like, there's different types of aggressiveness. So, like, I think there's physical aggression. <laughs> and I think... Like, and I think there's, I don't know, I don't even know the right word for it, but when you're arguing with somebody, you know, and you, you, it's very heated, like, that can be verbal, aggre yeah, verbal aggression. Mm -hmm. I think assertiveness is you have a pace to yourself, and you're, uh, you're kind of like, coaches say, on the hop, like, on the hop, you know what I'm saying? You're focused, you're, you have a fast pace, and you're making sure that you're getting stuff done, and you're focused, like, you're confident you're doing what you're doing. I think that... Aggression, aggressiveness, if you control it in the right way, it can be good. <laughs> but I think you need to be careful with how you use it, how much you use it. And you definitely have to learn how to control it and be able to feel that emotion when it comes up. So. Anything you want to add to that? I would say, like, being assertive, it's like, yeah, I would say it's more like a, assertive, it's kind of like applicable. I feel like it's more like a mental thing. I don't know, like being assertive is just like, you know, like you know, like I guess like what you want. And it's like, you know, you're very like adamant on like, you know, like saying, oh, you know, you, you know, you can be, you know, assertive and like, you know, when talking to someone like this is what I'm gonna do or things like that. I feel like aggression, like I said, it can be controlled, but I feel like aggressiveness in its nature is kind of like, kind of, off the hinges where it's kind of a bit more just like you're kind of going with like you're kind of just going like act first and then think later and I feel like being assertive is like think first then act so that's kind of like how I would like summarize the two so from what I'm getting what you're saying is assertiveness is more responding and aggression is reacting yeah okay and so like even to bounce off of that, like just due to the competitive nature of sports in general, aggression, they tell you, be aggressive. That's something that you that they want to see. And but I'm sure that we've all seen either that 
other player or that coach that allows their aggression or their aggressiveness to get the best of them, whether it be on the track, the court, the field, whichever. And it's kind of the same as in sport as it is in real life, whereas in sport, if you allow that aggressiveness to kind of get the best of you, your performance is going to lag, where you might lose actual focus on what the the task is at hand, like the competition, and then you kind of focus on that retaliation. You might, then your form gets a little sloppy and you start uh, having that like destructive self-talk, that negative thinking, self-criticism. The same way that that happens on, in, in game, in sport, that can happen in regular life as well. And so do you feel like you guys are taught how to compartmentalize? Because you guys are always told, be aggressive or focus or stay focused. Don't let them get in your head. Make sure you're doing this. But are you taught how to compartmentalize that aggressiveness and turn it on and off in a healthy way so that it can best serve you? I think that from a mental standpoint, we're not taught a lot besides our plays and what we need to do to handle our business on the field and on the classroom and in the classroom. In terms of academics, in terms of football, I think we're, or football for, for my sport, but mm -hmm. I think that we're taught a lot mentally how to do that and what it looks like. When you get into topics like how to manage your mental health, how to manage your emotions, how to how to feel emotions, your 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 consciousness and, and just like your your brain and how to maneuver it. I, I feel like we are not taught a lot about that. And I think that with being an athlete, to go from one environment, like on the field, and you're hitting people, and you have to be aggressive, and you have to tackle, and you have to use that aggression to the classroom or to real life, and just expect to, as a 18 to 22 year old, boy that's becoming a man to be able to flick it off without any teaching mm -hmm. I feel like that's a little bit I, I, don't, I don't think it's right mm -hmm. I, I think there needs to be a little more focus on that so it's an area of growth something something that could be done more mm -hmm. towards anybody else I'd agree with Dom um, you know this coming up playing football like I feel like no matter the position we're literally doing things that the human body was not made to do. We were running into other people and crashing into them. Basically, what this is equivalent to a car crash or something every time we hit somebody. So we have to be aggressive, man. Like he said, like we've never been taught to turn it on and off. It's like while some people, like we may have heard the stories of some of the NFL players or something like getting into some trouble by being too aggressive because they just don't know how. Like everything they do is aggressive. And it's like you just you just can't turn it off. Some people can't. It's, it's not taught, like you said, and it definitely needs to be taught. Um, I don't know how, but it definitely needs to be taught somehow. And so, with y'all having the not necessarily being given the exact strategies, the techniques, the skill on how to do that, 
do you fair do you feel that it's fair for y'all to have the expectation though like they they tell you go be aggressive there's cheers i used to cheer on the sidelines be aggressive be be aggressive right so we have that but then there's the expectation for y'all to be able to do it like you guys are supposed to be leaders off the field there are certain things like do you feel like it's fair that they have the expectation for you to be able to switch it on and off without necessarily giving you the technique, the skill, the tool to be able to do it. Honestly, in my opinion, life isn't fair. So we kind of, I mean, I feel like if we're at the level we're at now, we kind of chose, chose this path. So it's like, we chose to do this. So we kind of have to find a way to manage that aggressiveness. I mean, of course it's something that people can help with, but the fact that we chose this, is like, we have to be able to take on uh, everything that comes with it, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I mean, it's different strokes for different folks, of course, mm -hmm. but generally, we gotta be able to take a lot of stuff with it. I agree, mm -hmm. yes, I think. We signed, this is what we signed up for, so we know what comes along with being a high-level athlete, and especially in a sport like football or any other sports that are like contact. Or that I mean, I feel like you, you need to use your aggression in every sport, really. So, I mean, that's that's kind of what you signed up for, right? Um, I do. Do I think we have some better programs or something in place to help with it, and that would help a lot? Yes, I do. But um, I think as athletes and speaking speaking from like a football player's perspective that like you like rich said you have to find a way to make sure you're handling your handling your business mm -hmm. and Dante, i want to hear your perspective being a track athlete something that is considered less aggressive or violent but you still need to be able to be aggressive on that track you still need to be able to attack the sport with the same level of assertiveness and aggression yeah, I would say, I mean, in regards to like track, I'd say it's probably a lot easier to turn it on and off because, you know, for me at most, I'm running for, you know, less than a minute, you know what I mean? So like for me, like the margin for me even having it on is like pretty small. I mean, in regards to like, do I think it's fair? I mean, I would say so. I kind of agree. Like, I feel like, like in life, you know, there's a lot of things you know, like that people do that, you know, they have, they bring in aggression. And I feel like it kind of is your responsibility for like undertaking something to kind of like manage it like effectively, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if it's too hot in the kitchen, like get out or something like that, you know what I mean? So it's like, if you can't really, you know, handle the aggression that comes with it, you know, so, and some people can't, you know, it's not, it's not to say, you know, you're, you're, you know, an outlier because you can't, because I mean, we see it all the time in the NFL and in, you know, college, and I mean, you know, there is aggression in like a lot of sports, and you see it like everywhere. So it's like some people can obviously handle it better than others, but I think it's just like something you kind of gotta. I feel like it's something you gotta gotta figure out yourself because I feel like people can use it in different ways. Like I feel like some people can like be aggressive in almost everything they do, but you don't really know it. It just kind of is shown like you know they're just working really hard, but in their mind they're like, you know. I gotta be the best, like I gotta, I gotta be better than everyone out here, you know what I mean? And like, it could be something like a test or something like that. But then, you know, there's other people, obviously, you see, you know, with outbursts and, you know, like, you know, you're out at the club or something like that. And then like someone gets into like a fight or something like that. And that's like, you know, 
there is there's there's obviously you know there is ways to help it but at the end of the day i think like it is your responsibility to kind of do what you can to kind of help yourself to put yourself in position mm -hmm. to manage your aggressiveness mm -hmm. and so you said a lot but before like we um go forward i just want everybody to recognize the humble brag that he just dropped and saying that he only has to turn his on for a minute because he's so <laughs> fast that <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not say did. that. Did you hear it? Did I, you hear it? I actually, <laughs> under a minute, I'm like, anyone, anyone that runs, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, anyone that runs track knows that that's not what I just said. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, um, I hope you know. But, uh, yeah. All right, sure. One thing, that, <laughs> one thing that just came to mind right now is I feel like all, of, all three of us are pretty mature individuals mm -hmm. and we know how to turn it on and off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of the reasons why we're here. One thing that I think about now is the people that have a hard time turning on and off, the people that have a hard time controlling their aggression, they're not here right now for us to hear their perspective. And one thing that I think about is everybody is who they are and the way they are for a certain reason. Mm -hmm. And everything, every way they are, it's a learned behavior or it's a taught behavior that has mostly from their childhood when they're young and they're really absorbing things. Mm -hmm. So if you think about somebody who has a hard time controlling their aggression or who has a hard time in certain areas of life, I guarantee you they had a hard time in their home life growing up as a kid and had a hard time with aggressive maybe parents or mm -hmm. something like that. And I think that as a, like, as a fan, let's say, who has never played sports or is not a professional athlete or has not played football for 13, 14, 15 years, which a lot of professional football players or athletes in general have been doing their sport for, I think you need to be more understanding that one, you're not in their shoes and you don't know what it's like. Two, you may not have come or have been taught some of those certain mm -hmm. habits or characteristics that you have that, let's say, control and aggression that you're not good at. You haven't, you haven't had that same upbringing as them. I think people in general just need to be more understanding of the way somebody is now is a reflection of their whole life, their whole past. You know? mm -hmm. So, I would also like to add just kind of like another thing kind of in regards to that like with professional athletes. I think it kind of gets mixed up aggression with passion sometimes too because mm -hmm. I feel like like you can be very passionate about something and be very animated, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's aggressive. It's just you're really passionate about it. Like there is aggression, like, you know, and I think it does kind of get overlapped and there like is an intermix of like passion and aggression. But I feel like a lot of times, you know, you'll label like someone, you know, on the field, you know, that's, you know, running back and forth, you know, making big plays. Oh my gosh, you know, they're really aggressive. But I think there's that, that mental, I think that's kind of, they're just really passionate and maybe like, you know, I feel like that's kind of part of like, I think Don was saying like, you know, where every, every individual situ situation is different. That kind of goes in the idea of like, that's how, that's kind of how they use their aggression is they're very like passionate about something and they use that aggression like in a positive way. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like, you know, in that same regard, like I still feel like it could be a bit different. And like, I feel like sometimes, you know, you label someone as aggressive, even though it's just really like passion, I don't know. It's kind of tricky, like I don't, it's, it's like, an, it's kind of like overlaps, but like I just feel like it should definitely be mentioned that sometimes people are just, 
you know, really passionate about that, what they do, and they're just seen as like aggressive when it's really just like passion. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it made complete sense. <laughs> And, and thank you for saying that because I think that it, a lot of judgments are made, especially about, on players, by people who necessarily have aren't inv involved with sport, and so they're coming from a perspective of lack where they don't understand the culture of sport. And I think that sometimes that isn't recognized that you guys actually exist within a separate culture, and if you don't understand that culture and if you don't respect that culture, you could be easily mislabeling somebody to their detriment without really understanding what's going on. And like you were saying, each, each individual person is different. And so that's why it is, uh, I believe, so important that these skills start to be taught so that because we don't know where each player is coming from, we don't know their background, we don't know what everyone is coming to the table with. And so the the best way to have equity is to make sure that everybody is getting some basic level of skill. And so with that, I want to know what are the strategies or some of the things, because each of you have said that it's something that you kind of take on and you wear, you, you learned how to turn that off, on and off for yourself. What are some of the strategies that you guys use to help you navigate that, turning it on and off or using it in a healthy way versus not in a healthy way? What are the, some of the things that you guys do? I don't want to sit here and portray like I have it like all figured out. I feel like it's like a moving target. Right. Um, As of today, where are you at with it? I feel like it's a bit easier from track because like I said, it's like you're running, you know, it's a quick race. So it's like, you know, I kind of His are a quick race. Yeah, I sit that. there, like, <laughs> I mean, but like, you know, I warm up, like I put like my music on. I kind of like warm myself up like mentally. I kind of like get into that mindset and things like that. But um, I mean, personally, like I run the 400, so you know, after a 400, there is no aggression. There is pure exhaustion. Like, I'm gonna just be honest with you. I'll be like laying on the ground. I'm like, I don't know what has gotten into me to be doing this every week. So I'm gonna be honest. I mean, like, I feel like, like, you know, I'll start out the race and like, oh, you know, get out quick. You know, you always have to have a fast start. So like, I feel like, you know, for me personally, I feel like by the end of the race, the aggression has gone and it's more just exhaustion. So like, I'd say personally, that's kind of how like I, you know, kind of turn it off because, you know, it's just like, I'll just be exhausted. Like, you know, sometimes like, it's just, yeah, it's like, you know, you start out quick and then you're just like, whew, <laughs> I don't want to get up for 20 minutes. So it's like, you know, that's kind of how it, it, it works for me with track. Um, first of all, I'm not going to lie, I've never even thought about this. Like, and I've been playing football for, for like, 14 years of my life. I've never thought about how I turn it on and off, but as I just thought about it just now, I think I just want to give credit to my parents. Ever since I've been playing football, and they always tell me, outside of the lines, you can be as nice as the person you want, and you be nice to everybody, and you treat others how you want to be treated, but when you're inside the lines, you can be a totally different totally different person. You can do whatever you want inside those lines. Like, you can't get in trouble for knocking somebody's head off. So. I think the fact that they instilled that into me, I think I'm able to just kind of naturally turn it off. But as I also just thought about it, I do catch myself sometimes when I'm talking to people, I, I talk like really aggressive and like, but it'd be passionate as well. But then I realize like, oh man, they don't, they don't really understand me. So I really, I just try to turn it off that way. And a lot of times it's actually, it's, took, it's taking that sarcasm. People feel like I'm being sarcastic when I do that because they actually witness me turn it off like, I'm like, oh, damn, my bad. 
and I start talking to them in kind of a different way. So it's kind of like weird, but I think it comes from my parents for the fact that they taught me to be a different player inside the lines and be me outside of the line, you know what I'm saying? Do you feel from what you just described, does it feel almost like code switching? Where it's okay for you to be one way in this place and it's, you have to be a present differently in this place? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it, it could be that and I feel like that's okay. I feel like, like I said earlier, that, this is what I chose to do. So I got to know how to manage that, I got to know how to turn it on here and turn it off everywhere else. It's, I mean, it's definitely tough because naturally as a human, you want to be your, yourself and you want to be who you are and you don't want to have to feel like you have to be somebody here and somebody here. I think that's tough when you think about kind of changing your like identity basically. Inside the lines are this way, outside the lines are this way. Like somebody on the football team or somebody you played against might have a totally different perspective of you than somebody you meet at the grocery store, you know? And. Um, a lot of people have a hard time being two people like that mm -hmm. and think that this is a good conversation and a good opportunity for everybody who's watching to understand that and to start being more mindful of that, you know. We, go, we go through this. Yeah. Okay. You said That's it. Yeah. I would say like, I wouldn't say it's necessarily being two different people. Like, it's, I'm still being me. It's just just a different part of me that, I mean, like you might know how to, because I'm outside the lines with you right now, and I'm also, I also play with you inside the lines, so it's, it's just me, like it's not two different, two different versions of me, I mean, I guess it is two different versions of me, but. Different parts of the one you. It's just different parts of the one me, yeah, like, I'm yeah. still me, I'm, I'm gonna laugh on the film, I'm still do that, but when it's time to go, it's time to go, so I feel like that's just, that's just the way I, that's the way I have to do it. I have to be able to, turn it on and off, like on the field and off the field. Because if it's not that way, it could be trouble. I don't, um, to touch on like the change though, I don't know necessarily if that's like a bad thing though. You know what I mean? Like I don't really feel like it is, you know? Cause I feel like you do have to go to a different place on the field, you know what I mean? Or on the track, like, and then like, you know, but it's it's okay to be like turn that off. Like it's, it's okay, you know, in that regard to like code switch, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, you don't need that aggression. Like the way, like personally, like, you know, my mentality when I'm on the track is, you know, you gotta be like really aggressive. I don't need that in everyday life. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, you, I feel like, you know, you, some, you know, some people think, oh, you know, you gotta be like a totally different person. I just, I think it's just, you can just turn that part of you off, which is, mm -hmm. I think that's fine. You know what I mean? I feel like for athletes, like, I mean, do some do struggle with that and that's probably where you see the issues. But I feel like it's, it's good. Cause you know what I mean? Like you don't always, have to you know be like that you know what I mean so I think it's good to understand that like you do definitely turn that switch but it's also really fine to just be able to turn that switch off and just say you know we don't we don't need to be this aggressive right now like yeah. we're out to lunch like we're not you know what I mean like so, so to Dom's yeah. point then do y'all feel like it is more difficult for those who have experiences where they had to be that aggressive on the field and they might have to be that aggressive in their neighborhood or they might come from an abusive situation where they had to be that alert and that aggressive in order to protect themselves. Do you feel like as those athletes get older, it's harder for them to learn how to turn it on and off? Yeah, yeah. I would say so. I also want to kind of go back to what we were just talking about this one time. Go for like, it, bro. Think about it vice versa. <laughs> like, it is a good thing. I agree with you, it's a good thing. Cause like, think about it vice versa. 
if I was to act the same as I did off the field, like on the field, I probably wouldn't even be where I am right now. I'd be Exactly. So you, it's like you almost have to, because you, I mean, unless you, if you're gonna be aggressive everywhere, then there's gonna be problems, and if you're gonna be assertive everywhere, then it's gonna be problems. You know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta, you gotta be able to balance it. Okay, so at this point of the conversation, with a lot of the topics that we're discussing, we wanted to introduce our first guest for this episode. And so we wanted to introduce my practical supervisor, <laughs> Kelly Piper. She's also over all um, athletic student wellness here at the University at Buffalo. Hey, girl. Good to see you guys. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And so just from hearing a little bit of the conversation that we've had so far, was there anything that or any um, things that you wanted to address in your position and your knowledge, expertise and background that you have in this field? Is there anything that you wanted to share with us? Sure. First of all, just gratitude to be part of the conversation, because I think, you know, as a professional, as a parent, the biggest message for me, I think, in just knowing we we're going to have this conversation today is to just share the fact that I think, you know, we all come into a space. So for you guys coming into campus, you know, we all carry stuff in our emotional backpack, right? You, so you arrive here, you come into this space, and some, some people are more aware than others what's in that backpack, right? And to your points, it's, you know, a combination of, you know, who raised us and, you know, how safe we felt at home and what behaviors we've continue to model, right? And what messaging we received, you know, in those mentoring relationships, right? Are people in leadership roles or positions of power coming up through the system, right? Some of it's personality too, right? Just naturally, some of us have a tendency to maybe be more assertive or more aggressive, but if we, if we don't have the tools to unpack what's in that backpack, right? And we're not necessarily aware of what we're bringing to the table, it's difficult to be able to understand why we're behaving the way that we are, right? And so to me, that's the crux of the conversation is, you know, for all of us being able to understand each other and how do we get better at helping you guys do that, right? And how do you help each other to do that? Because you're, like you said, Nam, earlier, is that you're sitting here because you're probably doing that at a different level than many of your peers, right? Part of the reason why you're here in this program, too, is that you've filtered, right, by making those behavioral decisions over the course of time that have allowed you to set yourself apart, right? Doesn't mean you're wearing a halo, doesn't mean you're perfect, right? But I think that as a society, right, as males at your stage of life, we've created all of these expectations and filters of what it means to be masculine, right? Um, and then you throw athletics in the mix, and that's this whole nother layer, right? of expectation that you may or may not even be aware because you've lived it, it's so normalized to you, right? But it's, it's all the things, right? So what does it mean to be able to be vulnerable? Do you feel like you can be vulnerable, right? As an athlete, just as a young adult, as an athlete of color, right? And does that vulnerability change based on whether you're in the locker room, whether you're in the classroom, whether you're you know, with your peers or at home with your family, right? Um, so we need to be better in allowing you to explore those things just as a human being with all those layers, and then you put athletics in the mix, right? And it just makes it even that more complicated. So um, 
I don't know if that helps to create some, maybe some conversation or some questions, but it's amazing to hear your perspectives, you know, as you're kind of unpacking this conversation so far tonight, we heard a lot of that, right? It's sort of, you know, we're complex, you know, but, you know, you talked about your parents, you know, being able to sort of put some guardrails up about those expectations. Not everybody has that, you know, not everybody comes into this space with that guidance and, you know, that mentorship too, so nor did they necessarily have that modeled at home, right? And so I guess our first question for you, um, we know that athletes are less likely to seek out um, help for issues related to this or other mental health related issues in general, despite being more likely to suffer from these kind of issues. Why do you think that relationship exists? Well, let's go back to the vulnerability piece, right? So as athletes and specifically as male athletes we know that there's these embedded message messages and norms that you know you absorb over time right so somewhere in there inherently many athletes feel like it's not acceptable right to say they can't do it on their own right so we put this facade up of invincibility right and so that's what we know lends itself to it taking longer. You guys get to the breaking point before you let anybody in. Not always, right? We're painting with a white brush, right? But at a different level and more often, you guys get further along in that cycle of having mental health or emotional concerns or whatever else is going on before, you know, it's worth the risk to say, I need to be vulnerable and say I need help. Because in our system, you know, you've figured it out. You know, you figured it out up until this point with what may feel like less health or having to be less vulnerable, right? Um, the other piece is what we know statistically about student athletes having a higher level of mental health concern. And, you know, it's sort of a double-edged sword because we know that when you guys come up through as athletes, there's a lot of protective factors, right? You've got coaches around you, you've got, you know, different levels of support. You've got all the people in this building that, you know, you have access to, right? And without having to actually go and, and necessarily seek that out, right? The flip side of that is the pressure, the expectations, the fishbowl, the 100 miles an hour all the time, right? The, the lack of perceived control over your day, right? That can real quickly feel totally overwhelming and although you've made the choice to be here, right, and this is what you've worked towards, it can very quickly feel like it's out of control, like you don't have a say in how you're spending your time, right? So that's the flip side. You've got all these protective factors, but when they're overused, you feel like your life isn't your own, right? And, and you know, when you're looking at a season that's, there's really no off season, <laughs> season, right? There's no, there's no that? off season. It's <laughs> tough to see time. a, a yeah, right? <laughs> Air quote, right? It's tough to see a light at the end of the tunnel. So a lot of the conversations are around finding that locus of control, finding the joy, you know, understanding that, you know, you, you have to own your decision to continue to do this because ultimately you're an adult. There's going to be consequences if you choose to walk away, but we can talk about sort of, you know, 
the, the positives and, and the challenges around that. So, but I think this conversation around you know assertiveness and, and aggression and emotion and vulnerability, there's a lot that's connected to how athletes struggle, you know, in this journey because you know a lot of times they don't feel like they can necessarily be their authentic selves. And you have to decide what risks you want to take because it's not like you can get real with somebody and then just choose not to see them again. You're showing up to practice the next day and you're all in it together, right? There's there's no getting away from that. So, does that answer your question? Yes, very much so. <laughs> Did y'all have questions? Because I have another one. Yeah. Or comments? I mean, I'm definitely agreeing with everything you're saying. I feel like the society views men in a certain way invincible in some ways and men feel that pressure and they feel like they can't be vulnerable like you said and then on top of that you're throwing an athlete into that where you're expected you're you know you're, you're an athlete you're a football player you're going on cold conditions you'll be worse sleeves you don't, you don't gotta do none of that you're 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 invincible you know and then on top of that all the pressures you involve school in there and try to have some type of a social life and all of this is just getting thrown into a big pot and you just you're you know you're a man you're an athlete you can handle it you know so definitely agree that it's tough and i'm very thankful that we're getting your insight we're talking about it we're having conversations because i know there's a lot of people that feel this way and they just don't know how to communicate it and that's what we're here to do I definitely agree with everything you said as well. Um, as we were talking, I just began to think, like, when you start talking about emotions and stuff, like, as football players, we really put a lot of emotion into the game. But mm -hmm. I know people, and I'm also sometimes, like, a person who's not able to put my emotions into anything else. As, like, relationships with my friends, family, like, and that's hard, but I kind of know how to deal with it, but I know there's people out there who don't know how to deal with it. They just seem so detached right now. So, like, could you just explain that process, kind of? As to why you're able to sort no, of just tap into the emotion. Well, there, that's an amazing point, right? And so it goes back to that identity piece you guys were talking about earlier, right? So for, for all of us, right, you can think of it like, a pizza that you slice up into pieces, right? And you've got all these pieces of your identity. So for many people, athletics is sort of their comfort zone, right? It feels most comfortable to be able to show emotion in that space because it's where you most closely identify, right? You're most strongly identify. And it's, it's more of a risk, it feels like, in other areas of your life, if that makes sense. Also, it's exhausting. It can be tough to find energy for other relationships or to know what's a healthy level of vulnerability or energy or risk to take in those relationships, right? Like you spend a ton of time and a ton of energy in your sport, right? When you introduce yourselves to people, for many of you, the first thing you say is what? Football player. Right. Richmond. Yep. So, you know, that's, that's part of it, you know. What we want to have happen is sort of like the piece of that pizza gets smaller as you get further and further into your sport and ready to graduate out so that that piece of your identity becomes right like it cycles out and becomes your next step in life you know it gets stuck but that's why a lot of times it can feel like 
more comfortable to be emotional in my sport, right? Because yeah. it's sort of like, it's this biggest piece of who I am and I can just be myself there, right? But then what's left? <laughs> right? You're kind of like a wet noodle in other areas in your life, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And honestly, I feel like we could chop it up with you on this topic all day long. But the purpose of this uh, podcast really is to start the conversation. We aren't providing all of the answers because we want people to continue to look inward and see, have that conversation one with themselves and then within their communities. And so this being the start of the conversation, I guess my last question would be, if there was one strategy, one, one thing that a person watching could take away and use to help them be more well as, as it relates to that compartmentalization or even that expression of vulnerability, what would that one strategy be? And if you need us to practice it right here, we can be your formies. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm always gonna say real conversation, creating a space to talk it out, just like we're doing right now. So for you all, your mentorship, right? You probably have, you can see faces of people that are your teammates or people that are close to you that you're thinking to yourself, they don't, they don't have the tools to do this, right? That you've walked alongside them when they've made decisions that they wish they could take back because they let their aggression get the best of them or they don't have the tools to be able, right, to sort of have those guardrails is that your leadership, right? And so continuing to have this conversation so that we understand, like, what do you guys want us to do next? How can we help? To me, is, is more powerful than us sitting and talking at you, right? You need to be talking to each other. What do you think? I agree. I think conversation is important. I mean, I just feel like a lot of times people, you know, like we said, the, the idea is, you know, you don't need to talk about things. So the conversations, you know, are scarce because, you know, no one's really willing to have them. But I feel like the, the few conversations that I do have, you know, with the people that are willing to have them are very beneficial. So yeah, I mean, I agree. I feel like some of the most hurt people, uh, I'm, I take that back. I feel like some of, I feel like not everybody is able to have some of those conversations. And it's, it's very hard for some people to talk about things. Um, no matter how good you are with psychology of getting people to talk to you or whatever, at the end of the day, sometimes some people are just not gonna wanna be vulnerable and it's tough because you know that you can help them if they were, but this is why we are kind of having these conversations to spread the word and to start the conversation of the importance of vulnerability and how you can benefit from it. So if there is people out there that have been struggling or, you know, kind of going back to what we said in the beginning of the conversation, like they're struggling to have those conversations or maybe they don't talk as much because of learned things and because of how they came up, you know? But yeah, no, they, I think they're, we can show them the importance of it. And, and I think you did that today. And I hope we start having more of these conversations because I do think that's the key to I agree. Yeah, and, and, and people can sit in a space and choose not to speak up and they may walk away totally changed by what they heard, right? You don't know who's in the room, right? So if, if you, you open up the safe space for conversation, maybe way down the road today actually decide, you know, but you don't know what they're taking from it either. Right? So that's why we're here. Let us yeah. be your safe space. <laughs> Y'all rock stars. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming.
you give so much to the sport, sometimes you don't have it to give to those important people in your life. But how do you guys feel like these things impact your relationships? I would say they obviously limit them in some regard. Because I mean, like, I feel like, I mean, Kelly kind of discussed it a little bit with the whole, like, the pie thing. You know, when a certain percentage of yourself is going to, like, the sport, I feel like for us in this time in our lives, you know, being human athletes, takes up a large percentage of it. Like, you know, every single day, my life revolves around track in some regard, regardless of what I eat, what I do, like, when I'm doing my homework, every single, pretty much every single thing I do revolves around track. And that 100% limits almost every single other relationship that I have with, you know, peers that I meet through my classes and, like, you know, getting homework done and things like that. And then just, like, having free time to hang out with friends and, I mean, my diet and all these things. Literally, I would argue my entire life revolves around track in one regard. Like, I have to literally work everything around track in one way or another. So I would say, like, it definitely has an incredible impact on literally like everything in my life like currently right now yeah. i feel like that's the best answer you can get right there if football is probably a little worse we literally right now we well not right now but the past three weeks we really from six in the morning to 12 p.m then it's like you have to get extra work after that you have to or or you're not getting better basically you have to do more than what they make you do. So it takes up almost 100% of every day. So the relationships sometimes won't be there. Like as sad as it sounds and sad as it may be, some days I really, I just don't talk to my dad or, you know, just some days and it's not really often, but some days and we all understand that. But I mean, some people need that though. Some people are not able to because it takes up so much, so much of their time. So. You guys talk a lot about how sport impacts your entire life and how you're focused on this specific goal and you have to attain it. How do you guys react to reje rejection or not getting the desired outcome from a certain thing? How do y'all handle and process that? I'm gonna be, I mean, for track, like, you lose a lot. I mean, like, personally, I've lost a lot. Like, so for me, you know, you come to kind of, you come to terms with it. I mean, it's definitely different for football because I mean, like, you got, it's like you win or lose a game. But I mean like for track, you know, you could run a two second PR and still lose by, you know, two seconds. But like, you're not gonna be mad about that. You know what I mean? So like, I would say it definitely, it definitely has taken time. Cause you know, you always, you always want to win. But I feel like, honestly, like for me, when I first started track, I was like really bad, like really, really bad. So like, I would lose by like a very wide margin. Like I remember, and I mean, this was in eighth grade. I remember we had like the stack. It was like basically your section, but everyone in eighth grade like ran a meet against each other. Um, and this was eighth grade. I remember I ran the 800. I got last by a lot. I remember I got up the track. I was like, I'm garbage, bro. Like, I was like, wow, I'm really just trash right now. And then even like, I mean, freshman year of high school, like I wasn't running nothing for a really track, even sophomore year. It honestly wasn't until senior year for track that I actually started putting like some competitive times up. So, I mean, personally for me, it was honestly just loss after loss after loss after loss after loss. So, you know, at some point you just got to kind of come to terms with it because it's like at the end of the day, especially with track, there's always going to be someone faster than you. There are literally like freaks of nature in all regards, like at all ages that just like you'll see like they'll run like a crazy time and you're just like, 
they're like 17 running like under like 50 and you're just like you there's nothing you can do about that <laughs> like there's nothing you can do about that and that's i think that's one thing that makes track so unique is like it's literally like especially for a division one track i mean like all divisions technically you're literally racing against everyone in the world almost because it's like it's it's not football where it's like you know like you could just pay like an easy schedule, you know what I mean, where you face a bunch of you know easier teams and you guys just sweep through. No, no, no. For track, you're gonna know how fast you ran because the time is the time. Like it doesn't matter if you're division three or it doesn't matter if you're division one. Like whatever the time is that you run, like we know if that's good or not. Like there's no if ands or buts around that. So like there's no hiding in track, and I think that really helps. Like you know like failure because it's like and getting rejected because it's like. There's gonna be times where you just look and it's like, you know that's not a good time. But, you know, it just kinda of is what it is. So like, I think it's kinda, of, you know, it's helped me a bit. So let's apply that then to girls. If there was somebody that you're trying to holler at, how do you handle that type of rejection? Um, Hi. That's, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't really think it's, I don't really like take it with like a heavy heart. I don't know, like, I feel like, yeah, honestly, I just don't really care that much. <laughs> if I miss, like, listen, like the great Kobe said, and I want this to be on video. Listen, listen, I'd rather go over 12 than over two, because that means if I go over two, that means I lost confidence in myself. So remember that, Kings. Keep shooting. So listen, I'm just gonna say that, bro. Like, listen, you gotta shoot your shots. Like, if you miss, like, you're gonna miss. Like, nobody shoots 100%. LeBron missed shots. Exactly, LeBron missed shots, Michael Jordan missed shots. Bro, people, People dump people all the time, and it's like, it just is what it is. So, you know, shoot or shoot. <laughs> yeah, keep shooting, bro. Keep shooting, guys. That's a beautiful word of advice. <laughs> so, I want you guys' visceral gut reaction. When you hear that you are having a training on sexual violence, when the coaches, it's a, after a meeting or during the summer when they have these times, what is your reaction when they say, okay, guys, we're about to have a sexual violence training. Let's see my reaction. This is it. This is this is what we get. Um. <laughs> I mean, y'all can go. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's like it's so repetitive, and it's like I promise, if you don't, I'm not throwing shots at anyone, but if you just don't get it the first time, then you need help. Like, man. It's so, it's just like we do the same thing over and over. Like, I think my freshman year, we had to take the same thing like two times or something. I forgot, it was something like that. But it was like stuff that you should already know. It's like morally correct. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I just feel like you, you should just know some of that stuff. So that that's why my reaction is that way. It's probably you, a wrong reaction. You know it. That's what I'm saying. It's probably the wrong reaction because that's just me. But. I think not a lot of like if you come like what if you come from an environment where you witnessed it or you know like it was yeah. okay or you come from a single parent house and you didn't really know you didn't really see or I don't know it's just I feel like a lot of a lot in society like it's like this is the right way this is how it's supposed to be this is da -da -da -da. And if you're not, then like, you know what I'm saying? Something's wrong with you. Like something's wrong with your yeah. brain. Something's wrong with you, you know? People don't take into account like, okay, like why is he thinking like this? Why is he doing that? I think it's a, I think it's a good, I think it's a good idea 
to have it and keep talking about it because especially for us, and let's say football players or athletes, we're just talking about aggressive, uh, aggression and stuff like that. For a sport that's so aggressive and just to have that talk with everybody, regardless, some athletes are gonna know and some are not, which we know, right? To have that talk is important because then you can start to translate to other areas of our life. I think it's important that we have the talk and that we do it every year. I mean, it does get repetitive. I mean, with football and basketball, I've probably had like two times the talks every year for the past six years, so. But I think it's important. I, I do think it's important. That's just, like I said, that was just my reaction. It's, it's definitely important because, like Dom said, everybody does not think the same way, and there's a reason why. Yeah, I think it's definitely important. I mean, like, I have, like, a lot of girl friends, and they, like, will tell me of, like, shit, like, that they've, like, experienced, and I'm just, like, and, like, they'll tell me, honestly, they'll tell me the things that guys, like, sent to them and the messages they received, mm. and, like, <laughs> and I'm just, like, wow, these guys suck, and I'm, like, of course you're going to think, like, guys are terrible, because it's, like, I can't even imagine, like, someone sends the messages that they send me, like, asking, you know, for, you know, just random stuff and just like things like that and it's just like it's honestly kind of crazy the boldness that some people have and it's just like I think it, that's why I think it's a really important to have the conversation because it's just like like some guys are really just they're just losers like they're really losers and they're really just they need help like they need help and I think it is important to like keep the conversation going because it definitely is a problem and like you know I want, you know, people to know that it's not okay, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, and as repetitive as the conversation is, you know, and as many times as you see things on social media and things like that, like, shit still happens. So I think it's, like, really important to, like, make sure, like, you know, because I feel like, you know, there's always the idea of, like, locker room talk and shit like that, but it's just, like, like, that, that's just not funny to me, you know? Um, like, that, like, that's not funny, like, I don't know, I just don't really find like that part of like locker room talk, you know what I mean? Where it's like people will be like, oh, you know, that's just like boys will be boys. And I'm just like, nah, bro, like that's really not how you should be talking to a girl. You know what I mean? Like that shit's not cute, it's not funny. So yeah, I think it's really important, especially, you know, for teams that are in locker rooms, yeah. you know, to make sure that conversation is going in the right direction and they're being guided to you know, not being, you know, say, you know, all these like things to women and things like that. And to add to that, not just the verbal things that happen, but also there is a amount of violence that happens as well. So I'm yeah. glad that we're having this conversation. And so that leads us right into our next special guest. This conversation is very important. So we wanted to make sure that we brought somebody in from the university that could speak to all of these issues. So we wanted to introduce Aaron. <laughs> I just love how you went right into camera mode. <laughs> It's not my first rodeo. <laughs> he is the violence prevention specialist here at the University at Buffalo. So, from the conversation that you heard us um, kind of right, really jumping into right away, were there initial any initial thoughts or responses that you had coming in? Uh, th there were a lot of uh, reactions that I was having. You, you all couldn't see me on camera, but uh, I was having lots of reactions and uh, mostly appreciative to, to you three guys coming here and having that conversation. And honestly, just being... Um, real with it because I'll guarantee you all are having these thoughts, these feelings, and they're they're genuine, and you're not the only ones having them. And, and I know you just had that reaction, like, 
what do you have when the coach says we're having a sexual violence conversation? You're just like, oh. and like that's a that's a real feeling that that people have, you know. And and I think it's the way sexual violence has been talked about with athletes. A lot of times, folks come into a room, and the the big thing is, and I. I Hopefully I don't do it here, right? It's like ultimately my goal, I don't do it here. But like for a long time, people come into a room full of full of uh, athletes or, or just young men in general and just like, y'all are trash and y'all just need to go off and, and not rape and sexual assault and hurt other people. And I'll say overwhelmingly, it's again, over the vast, vast, vast majority, and there's a lot of data that supports this, that nobody's going to harm anybody. And if I come in the room and I say, y'all are trash, you need to stop doing that, well, if y'all aren't doing it, like you said, it's like, I can't believe people need, I'm sorry, I was taking notes on my phone, so I need to look. Um, you, like, this is stuff you should know. Like, yeah, but then you all brought up a point, like, what if you didn't grow up in a place where you don't know that, right? So it, it's, it, that reaction is genuine, and I appreciate y'all sharing that. But yeah, the, the conversation's been, y'all need to stop doing this, when overwhelming, that's not the case. Like, I'm looking at you all, uh, especially coming in and having this conversation, as potential people who can help me, because violence prevention especially my job is help reduce that, change the culture, at least keep the conversation going. And just by having a room full of people who aren't going to do that, is that great? That's awesome. But I also want to let you know that there's more you can do. And part of that is having these conversations. So I appreciate um, not just the general conversation, but you all are having very brave conversations. And when I talk about talking about men, masculinity, sexual violence, uh, I really think about that as a leadership conversation because in my mind, like leadership is doing things that aren't easy. Like, right, it's like calling out other people on the field, right? If you're a leader on the field, you're not gonna let them mess up. Is it easy to call out your teammate who you've been playing with and going through all hell for? Nah, it's not easy, right? But is it important to do, to, to do the right thing and make that play, right? If you see somebody you can you can help with their technique a little bit on the track, right? Like, you know, if you just do this a little bit different, is that an easy conversation to have? Probably not, but it's important and gets you to that ultimate goal. So I really do appreciate, again, this brave conversation among some, again, I'm gonna throw it out there. You might not feel like it's, it's, it takes real leadership to do that, but I'm gonna go ahead and give you that title, uh, that it really does take a lot of leadership to, to have this conversation. I'm gonna co-sign that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really wanted to see, um, from your experiences that I'm sure you've gone, all gone through these trainings in like hot, sweaty rooms after practice where everybody stinks, but were there any things that you walked away from these trainings and has still had questions or still didn't, you just wanted to know more about, or you feel like, do you feel like everyone has an understanding or like, what does that look like? And so I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to ask any questions that you guys might have of Aaron. And if you don't have questions, I have lots of comments. <laughs> <laughs> I have my own content as well, but I'd much rather hear from, from you all. I am honestly excited to hear your comments and yeah, hear yeah, your, yeah. Your, what you have I to say. I don't really have any questions. I feel like I like listen to it. I'm like, yep, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, that's really it. Overwhelmingly, people know what the right thing is, but it's being able to call each other out because again like like it was mentioned earlier y'all are in kind of your own different culture right and sometimes that includes calling people out sometimes it doesn't sometimes it involves taking people aside uh, and, and doing it that way and part of it 
having these conversations and having everybody in the room. Like you got it twice, right? Because you had the uh, your basketball and football, right? So right there, you you had the online course a couple times because you were a new student and you were also a student athlete when we were having that online course. And it's important to have everybody in the room, honestly, because there are a lot of people having that reaction. Like, oh man, they they might may remember me coming in, they might not. It's like we're having this conversation again, and they might think that, well, not paying attention in that. But what it does is it, it sets up, everybody has the same amount of knowledge. So we have that same base level. But I'm gonna go ahead and venture a guess that y'all just didn't come here to do like the base level of stuff, right? You didn't come here just to do okay as either a student, as an athlete, or as a person. Right, like okay isn't good enough for, I'm gonna, cause you're all putting in the time. You got practice, academics, you're trying to talk to other people to let other people know you're not just those things and you're a human being as well, right? So, but you all know each other better than everybody else. And I'm only in the room uh, because you guys have such busy schedules. I would love to have come in every week and have shorter conversations. So put that in somebody's ear for me. But <laughs> not everybody would like that, right? But I'm only in there with, with an hour with you guys, whereas you're with each other for, for tens, hundreds, depending on how long you're in each program, thousands of hours, right? So if, if there is that maybe one person who, who grew up in, in an environment where they, they witnessed a lot of violence, right? And then it, it's hard not to, to translate that. A lot of the early conversation was about um, like aggression and violence. And I'll say for athletes, a lot of times like aggression and violence when you're between the lines or when you're on the track, is violence and aggression the answer to a lot of problems when you're on that field, when you're on the track, right? Like that's that's literally what solves the problem. If you're on, you know, like there's one yard to go, and you got to stop that guy. Like you're going to be as aggressive. Hopefully you don't jump or something like that and get a penalty or whatever. But like it's being as aggressive and as violent as possible is is the idea for that. Is what kind of what got you here, right? It, it, it solves a lot of problems. But I, I think in life, life's, it, there are a lot of tests in life, right? In life, there's a lot of questions. And do aggression and violence solve some of those? Are the answers to those some of those questions out in life? Yeah, you got a flat tire, you need to like crank off that, that last lug nut, or there's something broken, you're trying to fix something in the house. Does aggression work on that? And be, yeah. But I'm gonna say most of the questions that need answering, like that's not gonna be like that's not gonna be the answer to it, right? But for some folks, all they saw in their life was violence and aggression solving problems, you know? And it, it's those folks where you're just looking at like, hey, you know, when that's the only tool you got, that's that's the solution to everything. So it's folks who, like you all, who, who maybe that's not the only tool you have in your toolkit to be able to say, hey, you know what, man, there's, there's another way to do that or, or like, I know it's hard to understand that, or like, I know where you're coming from. Like I saw a lot of, I played football for a while, I boxed while I was here um, at UB. Like, I, I've done, I played hockey, I like, I've done mostly like the aggressive, <laughs> violent sports. The only one I haven't done is lacrosse, and I'm way too old to start that now. But I'm still holding out hope a little bit that somebody needs like an old timer to, to come and do <laughs> semi pro league. <laughs> yeah, semi pro lacrosse. <laughs> but like, for some folks, like that, they just don't have that that ability, and you can be the one to give them those tools, right, to help them along. Um, again, and that's, that's what leadership about, and honestly, that's what, that's what being a, a teammate is about, 
to, to a large degree too. It, it's picking each other up. And so I have a question to go with that. You talked about a lot about how this is a leadership skill and the vast majority of um, individuals are not out there just being aggressive, violent, raping and pillaging people. Yeah. So what do you feel like, what would you say is the, if there is a player who knows that there is a teammate who loses his temper, it might be either being violent towards his partner or speaking um, about aggression in the locker room, those different things. What is the safest way to start that conversation for our leaders? Like, how do they first engage in that conversation? Um, I think that depends on individual leadership styles to, to a large degree, like some, and, and where you're at with the team. Like, if, if you're like a first year athlete, like, and if it's the, you know, guy who's been there a while, you know, he's <laughs> looking at like on the, like the draft list or something like, you're just like, I don't know if I feel like I'm the person to come up and say that, right? Um, but you might. Uh, so I think part of it is an individual style and getting to know that person a little bit. Some people react to, to getting called out in person, maybe not as, as positively. Um, I, I tend to, my personal style of doing things, I tend to, to be a little bit more sarcastic with it. Maybe it's because I'm a bigger guy and I feel like I don't have like a fear of physical harm as much as some other. There are bigger people than me, but still, that's a concern for a lot of folks. I'm like, you believe what? Sorry, I'm just pointing at you. I'm just the general, it was me. Over, the general over here. Like, I'll put it over here. Like, can you believe what so and so just said? And maybe saying it loud enough, right? Like, can you believe it? Or finding like a, another person who might be, could be a team captain, somebody who's been on the field a little bit longer. Um, it, it could be maybe that person reacts well to taking them aside and be like, I, I know you, and this isn't, I don't think this is what you meant to say. But this is how it came across like everybody else, be able to take somebody aside. Because I think there are some people where you notice like, okay, I get it, if you call them out out loud. And then there's some people where, again, if like aggression and they, they don't learn that that self-awareness and that's their only tool, like you don't want to be the, the, the object of that aggression or violence, right? Even folks who are like athletic folks such as yourselves, right? You still don't want that. So maybe like, hey, I know you're not trying to sound like an a-hole right now, there's other words. I don't know what's allowed to be said on the podcast right now. Uh, Go for it. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but say like, yeah, you already said. So I'm gonna say like, you know, you know the shit you're saying. Like, you know how that sounds right now. That's ridiculous. And then saying like, it's not even making you look bad. But again, we're talking about like the way people talk about athletes and this. Like, it's not even making you look bad. Like, man, this is this isn't the, the look we want for. I'm sure you don't want for you. I'm sure you don't want for the, the team, right? And, and sometimes it feels a little, from a, like a violence prevention standpoint, like it can feel a little weird, be like, put it like a, a personal impact on them, but people don't always see the personal impact that like you're saying, like the like the locker, the locker room talk and all that, right? They might not see the impact that it has, but first, and I'll think about the folks who, students who might grow up and you might've heard somebody say those types of things about you or, a family member or, or something like that, right? And you're feeling that. And, and then you're just like, I've, this takes me back. And this is having an impact on me. It's not directed towards me, but I can hear it. And then just by one person standing up, because going back to like leadership again, other people probably feel the same way, but they're, they're missing something. That it quality, I think, that leaders have, that ability to have a difficult conversation. They're just missing part of that. They feel the same way. But they just don't have that one thing that allows them to kind of stand up and say something. And maybe if you're the one person who does, 
you get two, three, four other five people come up and saying the same thing. And all of a sudden, it's not just about you and that person. It's about other people uh, as well. And I just want to go back to uh, an earlier point, too. Uh, it really made me think about just like the, the, the emotion and like having to, to be with other people, other relationships other than teammates. I think be, having teammates is a very powerful relationship. I, I know I had some, when I stopped playing football, when I stopped boxing, when I stopped being an athlete. I don't think you ever stopped being an athlete, but, an athlete. But, but stop being a, 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 on a team, right? Like there's a huge identity thing. Like the first thing you say is like, I'm a football player, right? So then it gets to a point like thinking about ourselves in terms that aren't in service to other people, right? Like when you're a teammate or a football player you're in service to other people, like your teammates, there's the coach, the university, yourself to a large degree too, but that's not always there. Right. And it's so it's thinking about that, maybe not even like brother or, or, or cousin or uncle or, or son or whatever it might be. Because, again, that's still in service to other people. It's like, where do we think of ourselves without that, without that label? I'll say it's been I haven't been on a team in a while. And I'm still struggling with that. It's a hard it's a hard conversation to have. Um, but also like the. There's something about being on a team that's like a highly emotional aspect too. Uh, I think being on a field of play, whether it's on the track or on the court or on the field or on the ice, whatever it might be, it's one of the few times when I think like men can have like an honest emotional reaction. Do you guys ever feel like like off the field if you're like having too good of a time or like crying or anything like that? Like that's probably okay on the field more than it's not, right? Like, if you feel like if I start crying off the field, people are going to be looking at me some sort of way. I feel like to some degree in society, that's the mindset. Yeah. I mean, personally, I feel like I used to think like that, and then I realized, like, I just don't really care yeah. what, you know, other people's sure. mindsets are anymore. Like, I'm going to cry if I have to cry. Like, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to be yeah. happy if I'm happy. Like, I'm going to, like, I think it definitely, like, took some time for me. Um, I would say like, you know, in high school and things like that, I definitely worried about a lot more what people thought. But kind of when I got to college, you know, I was just kind of like me, you know, I kind of yeah. really, I guess, you know, I'm me, you know, like, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. like, and I kind of love like, you know, like, I know, like, there's a lot of my teammates and I, you know, we have different like, you know, senses of humor and things like that. And that's okay, because like, you know, I'll say something, I think Sonny, they're like, oh, that's not funny. I'm like, well, it's funny to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't. I used to really kind of think like that, but now it's just kind of like, you know, like, pe you know, people cry, you know, people yeah. have tough things going on at home, like, you know, people are going to have bad days and things like that. So I definitely think society definitely still kind of has that mindset a little bit where it's like, you know, especially for, you know, male athletes, you know, you're not supposed to cry, you know, you're supposed to just yeah. be like, you know, take everything by the chin, you know, just, you know, keep your head up and things like that. But like, I think it's definitely important to, you know, have that internal conversation with yourself to say, you know, like, bro, it's it's all right to cry. Like, you know, I mean, like, it's all right to not have a great day. It's all right to, you know, be upset or, you know, just, you know, whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. be ha listen to whatever music you want to listen to. Like, you know, if you want to listen to some, you know, some country music or something, <laughs> yo, listen to whatever you want to listen to. Like, you know, don't don't dictate your life based off other people's perceptions yeah. mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i think that's a really important you know conversation that needs to happen with everyone and i think like a lot of people definitely do you know you can see that they you know they'll 
act a certain way, like, you know, to appease, you know, their friends or everyone, anyone that they're with. But, you know, I think it's really important for people to really have that conversation with themselves to find out, like, who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Other people's perception of you is not your business. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's not my concern what you think about me. You know what I mean? So, like, that's kind of what I think. It's just, you know, just be you. That's one that's inspiring to me as, as like, a, a person who, who still does struggle with that at times, you know? So it, it's great to see. And you might not be able to tell, but I'm a little bit older than all these guys. So like, it's a little bit of a different really? time. Uh, I like I like him keeping a straight face right now. He's really confident. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, I'm say I'm gonna go as that a suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm. um, but like, right, I am glad to see because there is a lot of difference generationally. And the nice part about working at it, uh, a place like UB is we get to see students kind of like grow and develop. So I'll, I'll say over time it is something that has changed, but it's still you know not always not always the easiest thing um, because we do have. Uh, as as men and athletes have that emotional aspect limited to to a degree, and again, society plays a role in that. And as much as we like to feel like we're above it all the time, sometimes we're not. Right? That social, I call it like social capital, mm -hmm. is real, and how other people perceive us is is like a real thing. Um, and, and I just want to let folks like give yourself permission to feel whatever it is on and off the field, right? Like that never won a ton of games, right? But I knew I won one game. One, one of the years that I was a football player, and it was like the best moment of my life. Because like, at least we didn't win none, right? We were playing like the last place team, and they didn't win any that year. And we're just like, at least we didn't get that. And it was like one of the best moments, and, and like to feel joy like that. And then I also remember like losing so many and feeling bad, but then not feeling like I could be that, you know, in, in another place. So it, it's great that, that I see that, that change, and that, that you all are feeling that a little bit differently. Because I know it's not an easy. So again, leadership beyond just just this table. I mean, for for other men to see somebody being able to do that, I, I think is an important narrative um, as well. Awesome. So we're going to ask you to join us in our final question of the day. Each episode, Rich takes us out with the question of the day. So we're going to ask you to participate. Sure. All right. Uh, today's question is: As humans, do you think we Destroy or create more, and you can start. You're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> destroy or create. You know, I, I think it, I think it's a chicken and the egg thing with it. I, I would say, with some destruction, there comes creation as well. But I, I would. My hope is that we we are we are creating more, and I don't just mean like things, like right, because I think we can make buildings, we can create. Um, like tangible items, but uh, I also think about um, the, the like creating uh, uh, like safer, more equitable places for people as well. So I, I think about like creating beyond um, just like objects. And, and so on the flip side of that, to create like a more equitable space, you do have to destroy some of the the previous existing uh, like ideals and and different constructs that are out there that are holding people back as well. I think that was beautiful, and I have a much more doom and gloom response. <laughs> I feel that humans destroy everything that we touch. I feel like the only thing that we create is more humans. <laughs> but I like your answer better. We're going to edit that one out. <laughs> Next. Are you guys both destroyed? Uh, I, think, I think I'm destroyed. 
Yeah. You seem like a destroy kind of guy. <laughs> I'm in the middle. I want to be in the middle. I want to be in the middle. When I first heard the question, I was like, our planet right now, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. <laughs> <laughs> this for a long time. Uh, I really like the point you brought up about constructs and living. I think there's so much people in the world. I think we have the resources as like a human, as a humanity, that we can take care of everybody in the world and we just don't distribute it the right way. So I think that um, I'm hoping that it goes that direction, the way you're saying, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay there. I'm gonna leave it at that. But to get those resources, don't we have to destroy something? Facts. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I would just say, I think I'm gonna go create. I think that, you know, things, I mean, there's definitely two sides to it, but I feel like, think about like where we were a hundred years ago versus now. Yeah. Think about a hundred years before that, a hundred years before that. Like, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. It's insane. Like, think about that. Like, listen, like destruction, I feel like, yeah, that always happens and things like that. But like, think about like what happened, like you said, with destruction, there's creation. Like now we have, you know, a lot of different things, you know, created from, you know, you see the world wars, you know, like there's a lot of things created from that. So I just feel like overall creation kind of like overlaps the destruction. It's and good. we're going to end on that optimism. Okay. I think that's Big a good place. Yeah, you yes. my <laughs> that was beautiful, guys. So be sure to like, comment and share this video and check out the next episode of Air It Out. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>